Hello and welcome to the June 17th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And, of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. Well, it goes without saying that it's been a while. Uh, It's actually been about, if I'm not mistaken, about 17 days exactly. Because I believe the last podcast I recorded was on May 31st, if I'm not mistaken. Um, This is just my memory. I don't really know. uh, But I just have a feeling that was the last day that I recorded anything. Because that's what I remember saying last. (laughs) Welcome to the May 31st episode. Well, here we are now. Um, June 17th, a couple of weeks later, and... uh, We've spoken about it many, many times in terms of a long-extended absence of Mr. Joe and what might the reasoning be behind it, and I explained on several occasions that obviously work is a large part of my life, and it has me terribly consumed with just about every amount of time that I have in terms of spare time and free time and Um, even during my (laughs) workout times. I mean, there's just no time for rest. There's no time for games. There's no time for nothing. It's just work, work, work. And you know what? If I ever needed work in my life, now is the time. Because besides work being the um, one situation in which I explained that you won't hear from Mr. Joe... We've talked about other things that might prevent Mr. Joe from coming on to produce a podcast, and obviously one of them has to be with the fact that we all suffer from mental health issues, and if you don't hear from Mr. Joe for a while, it's safe to think that I might possibly be in a hospital. Uh, Maybe things just got too much for Mr. Joe, and I couldn't handle it anymore, and I had to take a few days, take a week, take the maximum 15 days in a hospital to see if we can get Mr. Joe squared away. But that's not it either, guys. Mr. Joe has been um, gone for a couple of weeks for a very important reason, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, I don't have a lot of direction today on this podcast at all. Uh, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to call it. Uh, I have no real content that I really wanted to discuss other than some of the personal things that have been going on in my life, uh, specifically for about a week and two days now. So we've talked about my mom a lot in the past. We've talked about my whole family. We've talked about my sister, my mom, my dad. And um, one thing we could all agree on is that things have relatively stayed the same in terms of my mom's, I don't want to say her behavior in in terms of lashing out at people and cursing them and uh, yelling at them and blaming them and more or less partaking in a lot of her borderline personality disorder qualities that 
unfortunately kind of coincide with the illness that hasn't been so bad the one thing that remains bad and if if not bad i guess the the proper terminology would be even worse would be her drinking uh, my mom is a full-blown alcoholic and there's no mistaking it now uh, as a matter of fact i just got a message from her as she indicated to me that she needs wine tonight would i please get it for her to um drop it off for her tonight because she can't make it through the night um so you know still disturbing but if there was ever a time and by the way i refuse to get her any more alcohol at all but if there was ever a time where a person would need alcohol it's probably right about now not that i condone it um but uh just a summary last saturday um I did, uh, did not have my children with me, my older children. Um, they took off for last weekend to be with their friends. They had a couple of things going on. And, of course, this past weekend for Father's Day, I did get to spend it with all four children for the entire weekend uh, from Friday through Sunday night, which was beautiful. But last weekend, to be, uh, to be exact, it was uh, June 8th last weekend, I did not have the older kids with me. I had the little ones. And uh, one of the things that my wife and I have started to do again is walk. And I have to tell you what a great thing walking is. I was in no mood to do it when the wa the weather started getting nicer in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. But it's evidently clear that when you walk or do any kind of exercise, man, it really does a number on your brain in a good way. Um, not only that, it helps you physically. I mean, I'm excited to see if in fact my cholesterol or my triglycerides have gone down since I started walking. But nevertheless, Saturday, June 8th was um, really no different than any other Saturday in the sense where we got up nice and early, we spent some time in the backyard, uh, we got a few things done, and my wife and I put little Mickey and little Barbie into their strollers. Actually, little Mickey was in his blue push car, and little Barbie was in her stroller. And uh, we had a beautiful walk. And I'd say about, I don't know, a minute and a half, three minutes before the end of our walk. So clearly we were coming up to our home. Uh, we got a missed call from my sister. And, um, you know, my wife said, oh, your sister called. I said, all right, we'll call her when we get home. And she says, oh, she called again. Let me call her back. And um, she called her back, and again, we were walking, and all of a sudden, she stops wheeling the carriage, and she looks at me, and she puts the phone down, and she says, Joe, your dad is dead. I've done enough crying, to say the least. I don't know how much more crying I could do, how long the person could cry, how long this feeling is going to take to go away, but um, I'll say a few things. Uh, yes, I lost my dad on June 8th. Uh, it was unexpected, and man, he's done a lot of bad things in his life in terms of enabling my mother. And we've talked about that a million times, and I've said he's just as guilty as her, but... Um, 
you know, one thing for sure is my father was a damn good man. And I loved him. I loved him. You know, he was my, and I still love him. He's my best friend, really, if you think about him, my best friend in the whole world. And I know I may not have spoken about him like that because there were so many times I was angry and um, not necessarily at him, just about our family situation and how things are going and how my mom is acting and, you know, really, to no fault of his, how he just never had a handle on her and could not control her in any way, shape, or form. And that is evidently clear now that she's nearly impossible to handle because now what Mr. Joe is doing is handling it all on his own, of course, with his sister. So um, during the walk, obviously, it, it hit me uh, very shocking because the one thing that I do remember is my father also getting a phone call when his father passed away, and I watched my dad cry for the first time and probably one of the two only times that I saw him cry. He cried mo once with me when I was very mentally ill and you know trying to get better, and I believe he actually caught me. I don't remember if it was one of my hospital stays or when he actually stopped me from committing suicide that second time. One of those times he cried. Um, so I broke down in the middle of the street, and I started crying, and, uh, you know, I more or less hyperventilated the entire way back to my house. None of it really made sense. I did not have my phone on me, um, and I know I'm all over the place, but dear God, there's a part of me that is almost thankful that I did not have my phone because the message that I had to hear from my mother when my father was essentially laying on the ground, um, it was just very disturbing. And there are many, many things that are going to stick with me for a very long time based on this situation and how it all went down. But isn't it ironic that just a few short podcasts ago, Mr. Joe found it necessary to speak about the grieving process um, and how difficult it is for those of us with a mental illness. And, you know, clearly I look around and I see people grieving over my father, those that have a mental illness and those who do not. And everybody's taking it pretty hard. But nevertheless, um, there was a part of me that wanted to believe my mother's drama had taken over and maybe he wasn't deceased. So before I ran over there, I actually got another phone call on my phone, and I answered, and it was the paramedics. And they asked for me, and of course I said, this is me. And they said, we wanted to let you know that when we arrived, we worked on your dad for approximately 30 minutes, and we gave him every medication under the sun. And there was a small part of me, because of the drama that my mother engages in so oh, oh so often, I thought for a second I was going to be told we got him revived. Um, but I didn't let them finish. I said, he's dead? And they said, yes, we're so sorry. And I said, thank you. And my wife and I got in the car. We left the kids with my um, brother-in-law. We drove to my mom's house, and she was there with my aunt and my cousin. They had come. She was hysterical crying on the couch, and she says, he's downstairs, and there he was. Now, um, I saw my dad, and he was wrapped up in a blanket, covered in my old bed, as a matter of fact, in my old room, 
his mouth was wide open, and uh, I cried. I haven't stopped crying. I haven't stopped crying for since Saturday, really. Um, but um, we had the uh, the uh, funeral and the wake all in one shot on Thursday, so we waited an entire week. Uh, well, from Saturday to Thursday, because my mother just could not get her act together, and I could kind of understand. Much of it had to do with her drinking, but nevertheless, when I went down and saw my dad, um, you know, I saw the whole thing, man, in terms of, you know, the, the body bag and taking him out, and there is not one vision, not one speck of any of this that has gone on that does not remain in my head forever, and Man, I've driven my dad's car since he passed away because I had to drive it for a few different reasons and there were things in there of his that I remember him wearing and, you know, one of the jackets that he used to wear. Um, and my little guy used to call him Soccer Grandpa because he was always at the soccer games for my oldest son. And as a matter of fact, he was supposed to be at the soccer game on Sunday, but of course he passed away the day before, so he never made it. Um... But even though I found him downstairs in my bed and, you know, had to say goodbye to him that way, when people pass, we want to know what happened. At some point, some some period within the time frame, although it seems like it's not very important, we want to know what happened. So, of course, I asked my mother, and her answer was to me, he was cleaning the bathroom downstairs. Now, she had said he had some chest pains the entire week. She was trying to get him to go to the doctor. He refused. My father was a very stubborn man. Um, but I took it for what it was worth. He was cleaning the bathroom, and he had a heart attack. And then when I went downstairs, and I searched a little bit more, I had found something very interesting down there. And I didn't see his body where it was when he first passed away, but... Apparently, right where he landed, there was a broken piece of sheetrock. And I couldn't understand where it came from. And, you know, my mother, I have no idea. I don't even know that that was down there, why it would be there. He was just cleaning the bathroom. So I kind of let it go. And I threw it out. And then that night, Saturday night, I said, I got to go back there. And I got to see what's going on. That, that that has to mean something. Lo and behold, my mother forgot to leave out the fact that when she found him dead, he was laying on his back. Half of his body was in my room, and the other half with his legs was in the boiler closet where the boiler sits. I said, well, that's a big difference than cleaning the bathroom. So I opened up, and, and again, this all has to do with the fact that she's always drunk, um, you know, she has no ability to stay sober at all. As a matter of fact, I am dreading this phone call to make to her because I'm sure I'll be yelled at and screamed at. And, you know, she seems to think that because I am a former drug addict or a drug addict who is in recovery, I, I get it. And I do. I get it. But she has a choice to make now. And it will not be staying in that house and drinking and smoking herself to a slow death. But nevertheless, I, you know, because she was so drunk, she failed to tell me about the boiler being open, the closet door being open. So when I went down there, I opened it up, 
and I got a flashlight, and I took a look around, and lo and behold, I found the spot where he broke the sheetrock. As a matter of fact, it matched up perfectly to the pipes that were running through the wall. And I said, what the hell could this man have been doing? And I kind of went around the other side of the boiler room, and I was actually able to see what he was doing in there a little bit better around the other side, which was in the garage behind the washing machine. So what my father must have done, and um, I'm pretty, I mean, if you ask me, 99.9% sure, when I had gotten there and, you know, said goodbye to him or, you know, throughout all the chaos and drama, I went into the washing machine and there were wet clothes in there as if the, you know, the cycle had just ended and it had to be switched. Um, and clearly my father was about to do that and he must have noticed behind the washing machine a leak on the floor. And this leak was hidden pretty well. So he must have moved the washing machine, um, found a hot water leak in the wall, actually built a little contraption and uh, put a, a funnel and a container and he tied up the the broken pipe with a rag. And it's almost like the rag was kind of like eating the water. So even though it was a little bit dripping, the, the water would land on the rag and kind of like, it's almost like the rag would drop the leaky water into the funnel. And that's what my dad was doing before he passed away. He had discovered a hot water pipe that was leaking and he attempted to fix it. And uh, he passed away doing that. And I can never stop. You know, my brain just keeps going back to thinking of my dad being in that room, boiler room and, you know, seeing the sheetrock there and seeing it on the floor. And, um, you know, guys, this is, this is absolutely one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing that I've had to deal with in my life. I don't know what to think. I can't stop thinking of his face. I drove around in his car and items of his, I, you know, jackets, I would just hold in my arms and cry and kiss his clothes. I mean, I even, wa I even, you know, took all those clothes out of the dryer, uh, the washing machine, put them in the dryer. And of course, what is it? All his pajamas and, you know, all his stuff, basically. And I just folded every piece and cried. And, uh... I, I got to be honest, Mr. Joe, who has lots of answers usually, lots of feedback, has even produced a podcast revolving around this exact topic. I'm at a loss, everybody. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to feel. Um, he had a beautiful, beautiful, I mean, as beautiful as it could be, funeral um, because he was a veteran. And they did a beautiful ceremony for him. Uh, very, very, very scary. And my apologies, my older son, Junior, just called me. I don't know if you heard it or if it rang on the podcast. I apologize. Oof, man, he is one person that took this rough. I mean, I've never seen my older son cry the way he cried during that wake and during the funeral. It was rough. My daughter was not able to go because she had a test, a regent's test. Um, so, 
anyway, I'm not sure exactly what I was saying, um, but for the first time in a long time, Mr. Joe does not have any answers. I don't know what to think, how to feel, how to grieve. Um, I'm having a difficult time here at work. A lot of times I just find myself thinking of my father and I break down. Um, you know, everything from the time we were, you know, from the time I was little up until the most recent. And I just see him walking towards me on the soccer field with his jacket on that he always wore. And my little guy, Mickey, being so excited to see him. And my oldest son being so proud to perform in front of him. And that's it. Now he's gone. Now he's gone. So, um... And here's the thing, guys. We have a big, big challenge ahead of us. A big road lies ahead of us in terms of my mother because she cannot be in that house. The the amount of things that my sister and I have had to do in terms of banking and getting things in our name and, oh, my goodness. I, I never knew how much of a nightmare all this stuff was when it comes to somebody passing away. Um, you know, we had to get our names on everything because, God forbid, if my mother passed away, that money would have been gone. And I know it's not about money, but we're talking about a lot of money that is going to go for go to all of our children. Um, so there's no mortgage on my mother's house. She needs to get out of there. I need to sell that home. She needs to get into an apartment. This all sounds well and good, and I know essentially she's capable of it all, but there is not a person in the world that would be capable of this. Um, with the way that this woman drinks. She, I mean, right the day before my the, my father's funeral, she called me screaming and yelling at me, telling me to tell my wife's parents to go F themselves because they wanted to come to the wake. I mean, not the wake, um, the little lunch that we had and bring the kids afterwards, my little guys, which I loved the idea. You know, they weren't going to bring kids to a wake or a funeral. They were watching them. And another phone call. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, again, I don't know if you heard it, uh, but I had to put you on pause. It was my son again. Um, so that's the story, everybody. Mr. Joe is gone because his father is gone. And uh, like I was saying, and my mother's very capable, but... No matter what is put in front of a person in terms of the challenges they might face, the decisions they have to make, and their ability to move forward in life, no matter how capable a person is, when alcohol is involved and runs a person's entire life and they cannot function without it, and she has admitted that to me now, there is really no hope. There is really no hope. She can't maintain a house. She can't maintain herself. She can't take care of herself. She can't maintain a relationship because all she does is drink, smoke, and fight with people. And I think I got cut off before I said this before. She fought with me the day before, the night before my father's funeral because she didn't want my in-laws to bring my little children to the luncheon that was way after everything that I just wanted them there to put a smile on everybody's face and which they did and you know but it was a fight and it was horrible and she called my cousin and cursed her out and it's just same old nonsense guys you all heard the messages in the beginning of our podcast journey you all heard them and they've remained the same and they continue differences now I don't have my father 
to go to and talk to and him to try to keep her in control. Not that he did a very good job at all, but my dad is gone. Um, and that is the reason as to why you have not heard from Mr. Joe. And as I figure this out, everybody, and again, I know I did a podcast about grieving and death, but I think it's going to be a, uh, a part two series coming soon. Because as I figure this out, of course, I will share everything with my audience, what has worked, what has not worked for me during this grieving process. But what I want to leave you with now is don't, don't burn any bridges, guys. You know, I know people get mad at people, and I know we fight. And I know people have done a lot of horrible things to hurt us in the past, and we've done a lot of horrible things to hurt ourselves, but this I will say. Had I not have, I don't know if the word made up is proper, but built a relationship again with my father, who never really did wrong by me in any way, shape, or form. I mean, other than enabling my mother, but, um, you know, as... As the years went on and I stayed away from my parents, I finally started to realize that um, I have to let things go because one day they're not going to be with us anymore. And I'm not asking you to forgive people now because, you know, you can't force somebody or insist that somebody forgives another person. It is all within our time frame. If you're mad at somebody, you have to be the one to figure it out as to when you no longer want to be mad. But just remember this. Had Mr. Joe not made up with his dad, I would have never hugged him. I would have never kissed him. I would have never felt his arm around my shoulders. And we would have never walked together on that soccer field like we did a few weeks ago. And I have all that to remember now. And I thank God for that. I really do. If you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person the very best way that you know how. And if you're struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I will be back because that's what my father would want me to do. Love you guys. Talk to you real soon. Have a great day.